May I have your attention, please? Welcome to the Life in Tech podcast with Jay and Saad, where every week they will be sharing their experiences, insights, and opinions about working in the technology industry. Simply the best. <laughs> Welcome back to the Life in Tech podcast. In today's show, we're continuing the theme around conflicts within the workplace, but this time focusing more on the toxic work environment as opposed to the conflicts between individuals. So Jay, what is a toxic work environment and have you ever experienced one? Have I ever experienced a toxic environment? I can't say that I've experienced a toxic workplace. All of the kind of workplaces that I've worked in, I wouldn't categorize them as toxic, but I have encountered toxic individuals within the workplace. Okay. So I guess like in terms of my own interpretation of like what a toxic environment is, I would probably say that it's a place that kind of makes people kind of feel demotivated or demoralized uh, about their work. They may feel as though they're working within a blame culture. There might be a lot of rewards for negative behavior. There might also be kind of like a gang mentality or like a cliqueiness in kind of various departments which could kind of create gossip backbiting uh, rumors bullying and that's like on the social kind of aspect of it there's also like a organizational aspect of it where the environment might be toxic because you as an employee lack autonomy for example and you're being constantly kind of micromanaged it might be unrealistic KPIs that are being set by the business that you all know are impossible to achieve but your performance is benchmarked against those KPIs and punishments are handed out um, if kind of those KPIs aren't met or you're kind of held back because those KPIs aren't met. Inconsistent rationale for things such as bonuses and pay rises and promotions, for instance, or those particular things go to those who display toxic behaviors such as trampling on people or um, kind of stepping on people's ideas or leapfrogging off their ideas rather or off their shoulders in order to kind of get ahead, right? Mm-hmm. So there's quite a lot of different aspects and I suppose you can either be working in a place that has all of these things or some of these things um, and it might not just be it might not mean that the company itself is toxic it could even just be your department is toxic yeah so right? it's, it's like some individuals mm. is what creates that, Potentially. that toxic environment I mean it could come from the top so it could literally come from the top it down it could be a cultural level right or it could literally just be there could be hubs or kind of hotspots of toxicity right. within right, right. like an organisation I feel like though we need to firstly define what a toxic environment is Mm. like these are obviously definitions and traits of individuals that might contribute to such an environment so i feel like we need to first define what is a toxic environment because we've established here that it can be from employees and it could be from the employer Mm. it could be a mix of both right Mm. so a definition of a toxic environment that i've put together Mm. is and let me know if you agree or disagree with this is a toxic environment can be defined as an environment that negative impacts the viability of the organization and what i mean by that is that you might have some individuals that or departments or whatever or these little hubs that you was explaining they might collectively come together because of favoritism or because of like personal gain right Mm. because essentially why do people display like unethical behavior and quote-unquote become toxic in the work environment because they're trying to gain something essentially it could be respect it could be power it could be money it could be personal gain in any way it could be special treatment Mm. or they just have bad habits of like gossiping or whatever but usually from what i've seen and experienced anyway it's usually there's some personal gain agenda behind it right not always the case Mm. but a lot of the times i've seen that 
Now, it can be argued that by that definition of a toxic environment, and then hypothetically speaking about individuals that are doing things for personal gain, Mm. they don't have the company's growth or journey or whatever word you want to put in there in their Mm. best interest, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. So firstly, my question is to you is, how do you recognize such an environment going by definition like that, if you agree with it? And what can you do as an individual to try and minimize that from affecting you personally? Because essentially, you can't if you work for a large organization and you you've recognized a lot of toxic behaviors and stuff like that it's Mm. very difficult for you as an individual to make those changes right to change that environment but you can try and minimize it around you or you make individual changes to try and minimize it in Mm. your team or whatever so essentially the first question is how would you recognize such an environment i think the first question was do i agree with the definition (laughs) oh yeah yeah yeah. let's let's go back to the definition there's like a lot of questions i just need you to kind of unpack what you mean by viability of the business i guess you can you can put that in many areas like mm. reputation could be one okay affect the reputation of the organization it could also affect the overall co- uh, culture so for example if you do have a particular culture that is sent down by the organization to the employees and it's a positive one right and then you have a set of people that have created some let's call them little hubs of toxic environments right mm-hmm. inside the overall organization this can affect the overall viability because just say like someone is applying for a role in that particular company or organization and they've heard some good stuff but then they've heard a lot about you know these Mm. little toxic places that can have a huge impact on their decision Mm. right because unfortunately negativity i wouldn't say outweighs positive Mm. positive attitude but it has a strong hold on people Mm. you might hear some a lot of positive things about a particular organization or an individual and you're like oh that's really cool you know they're doing x y and z yeah and then you hear like a few negative things or maybe one big negative thing it's very easy to forget about the positive I'm just talking about myself, you know, Mm. as as an individual, as a human being, especially someone who thinks, I don't like to use the word deep, a thorough. You're you're a deep thinker. Yeah. (laughs) Like you you sometimes can play on certain things for a bit too long. Yeah. You know, and I guess that's what I mean. I I hope that makes sense. But Mm. I I know we uh, kind of uh, branched out a bit, but to circle back in, I I guess that's what I mean. Also like the company's ability to, I guess, kind of be successful as an organization, right? Yeah. Now we have to identify something here. Mm. If the toxic environment is being created by individuals that's different to a toxic environment that is has been uh, pushed by the organization or is being displayed by the organization because because mm. when we say toxic environment that's it could be very opinionated actually because mm. some people don't know that they're doing things that are toxic because they don't know by definition what toxic mm. traits mean or what they are mm. and likewise an organization might not know what they're doing is toxic or has the ability to turn into a toxic mm. environment so you could be within a company culture mm-hmm. which doesn't promote toxicity yeah but then there could be individuals individuals within departments and that's what i mean by the whole viability thing like the company itself could be one which is stern and Mm. doesn't tolerate toxic behaviors that's their traits you know their goals as a company they're really stern but then you might have some individuals that unfortunately keep pushing those uh, toxic behaviors and the company has to keep going back and forth with them Mm. and and align them back into the right direction but that's what i mean about the viability like if it's coming from the individuals that can affect Mm. the environment yeah, it's like that saying, you know, like one rotten fruit kind of spoils the bowl, right? Of course. So that's all it can take sometimes, and it yeah. kind of has that kind of viral right. effect. Do you agree with that definition, or is 
you know, yeah, I think it makes sense because ultimately it reflects on the business and we want the business to be successful. So if there are toxic behaviors being displayed within the company that affect other individuals that are required for the, for the operational efficiency and effectiveness of the business and also success of the business and they're being affected negatively, then they're not contributing to the viability of the business, are they? So yeah, I think it, I think it makes sense as a definition. Mm-hmm. Cool. So coming on to the second question is what are some of the traits or behaviors that basically makes a place toxic? Um, I think I mentioned like a few of them um, kind of earlier, but I would tend to say that ultimately it comes down to how the employees in the organization feel. For example, if you feel overworked, if you feel as though you have work-life imbalance, if you feel as though you're not being and recognize or rewarded or you feel as though you're being overlooked or you're being constantly dismissed or you're being I guess kind of micromanaged kind of constantly there's inequality in terms of how kind of rewards are kind of distributed um, kind of across I guess kind of from a micro level um, within teams but also organizationally across kind of departments and divisions etc like all of these things contribute to I guess kind of toxic traits or can be kind of classified as toxic traits mm-hmm. um, so I guess like it's very I would say it's quite easy to identify those kind of things when they're happening I think it's easier to identify toxic individuals as opposed to a toxic environment for me anyway reason why I say that Mm. because I feel like toxic individuals don't recognize that they have a professional duty towards the organization that they work for okay right or if they do recognize it then they're just blatantly being toxic like Mm. by their own accord right Mm. but I feel like because there's a difference between an individual that is toxic and doesn't know they are someone who knows that they're toxic or have been at least approached about it and carry on to be toxic mm. right i feel like the second person is someone that doesn't recognize that they have a rational duty towards the organization they work for if you've been approached you would actively try and make if you agree to the feedback that you've received mm. you'd actively try to make those changes right and i feel like when you have an individual like that it's easier to recognize especially the the, the inner teams like if you have like a direct report to or, or a direct peer mm. that you work with every day, right? You can easily identify some of those traits as opposed to saying, oh, this entire organization is toxic, but you don't even see 75% of the other side of the organization for long periods of time because you work in hubs, right? Yeah, but you see the organization's policies and you see the way that the organization operates, the way that in the leadership teams communicate, the way the HR teams communicate kind of across the business as well. So I, th- I think you can also spot from organizational level if there's any toxic traits as well mm. okay do you know what yeah, I mean like, yeah, I, I, feel like it, I feel like yeah like you're right like the collective of individuals contribute to a toxic environment mm-hmm. but toxicity is also in the company's policies when you first sign your corporate contract or employment contract mm-hmm. and you read through it there could be some toxic toxic things in there yeah that's yeah, yeah do you yeah, know what I mean yeah yeah because um, okay, so you're thinking that like really apparent stuff like things in policies and, and yeah because I think it stems way beyond just a group of individuals it can literally start from the company itself so from day one when you're signing a contract you can actually spot certain things that's interesting when I look at contracts and stuff I look at specifically like what are they saying and how does that affect me and what the restrictions are and then I question why they're in place as well sometimes right right it reminds me of uh, just to go a bit off topic but you know like back in the day when you take like a car phone warehouse contract mm. oh yeah and everyone's like have you read the small print oh yeah, yeah. you know are you sure a lot of people don't read their contracts I read about this once that mm. most people people go to the if it's like a big contract they kind of skip through to the pages where it mentions the salaries they just and, look at the salary look at the holidays and, yeah. and done that's, that's, <laughs> like, 
I didn't think of it like that. Identifying toxic traits through official documents. I give you an example. Okay, I didn't. I give you an example, and, and this is like a very. This is like a blanket statement. Yeah, but you could see in a in a contract, working hours are nine to five, but you will be expected to work on weekends. Who builds that expectation, though? and how is it conveyed? As in that that could be that could be something that's written in a contract. Oh, is it explicitly said like that? Yeah, it could. It could. I've seen. I've seen not that particular example, but I have seen in contracts. These are your working hours, but you would be expected to do A, B, and C in event of, for example. That's interesting. So, you know, I think people just really need to, like you said, like look at the small print. So really and truly, you should be questioning the contracts that are given to you by your employers. That, that for me, is where some of the first red flags are. Right, right. Besides the interview process itself. Yeah. For me, the interview process can be quite of a good, well, not quite, it is a good way to identify a lot of um, things or red flags that... See, that's the thing about red flags, though, in mm-hmm. general, that you need to know what you're looking for. And a lot of people, unfortunately, don't have that knowledge mm. to... And when I say that is, you know, I used to be one of them, actually. What is a red flag? How do I identify it? And I'm not just talking in the scope of the work environment. I'm talking in general, just red flags in general. Like, well, who defines a red flag? Who, you mm. know, what's the research behind it? Who, mm. you know, who's the awarding body that says this is a red flag? I think you need to be able to recognize them first. And especially if you're if you're looking for a place where you want to really prosper, right? Mm. You want to grow and you want to really flourish and grow as a professional, as an individual, then you need to know about the red flags and you need to try and identify them as early as possible. And I think, you know, when we have the whole probation period, oh yeah, even interviews, it's like there's this mentality that it's for the employer to judge you, mm. but actually it's 50-50. Mm. That time should be a time where you use to look around and identify the red flags if they exist or hoping that you find more green flags mm. and, you know, using that time to say, okay, actually I can prosper here. I can flourish. I can see myself here for the next, you know, five years or whatever. Mm. You know? You know, we talk about the five-year plan. What's, where do you see yourself in five years? And likewise, the interview process as well. A lot of the times, there's, there's this mentality, there's this this way of thinking that, oh, it's just from the employer to employee, the interviewer to the interviewee. Yeah. But actually, it's a two-way street. It is, yeah. So these red flags that you talk about, mm. off the top of your head, what are some of these red flags? Not the ones that you mm. mentioned in policy. Like, say you're now in the working environment. You've gone post-contract signing, mm-hmm. right? And now you're working in the environment. What are some of these red flags that people should look out for in the environment? I think that's different difficult because I think ultimately when it comes to red flags and kind of identifying things which you think might be a bit kind of sketchy or questionable it ultimately comes down to what your personal values are and how you want to be treated so for instance if you're in a meeting environment and you realize that everyone is talking over each other and what and something that is of value to you is everyone needs to be heard right like that fights against your kind of core value right that everyone deserves to be listened to kind of fully and if you're already seeing that you're in an environment where nobody listens to anyone and everyone just wants to be heard and they're fighting to be heard and they don't care what anyone else has to say I would based on that value that's a red flag and there's kind of various different red flags that kind of stem from kind of what your kind of core values are as well like someone's core value could be around integrity or kind of keeping keeping to employers keeping to promises example if being promised a sign-on bonus yeah as part of your kind of employment contract or um to kind of to join and then all of a sudden the goalposts are moved oh we're not gonna give you that until after the probation okay 
okay, fine. But you never told me that before. That's a red flag because there's a bit yeah, of yeah. kind of dishonesty. Yeah, yeah. Or even if it was told to you that, okay, you'll get it after the probation and you pass the probation and then say, oh, actually, we won't give that to you till your appraisal at the end of the year. Like, it's just like That's an, another red flag, It's right? just like conditions come out of nowhere. Exactly. So like, these are the kind of things I would look for because they're initial signs that actually, do you know what, there's something not quite right here. And it will be something that I would continue to kind of monitor. And then if I see more and more red flags start popping up that don't align with my values, then obviously there's just one direction to head down and that's kind of out the door, isn't it? Mm. Unless you see a keen willingness from the employer to change. Yeah, yeah. Which comes to the next point is like, how would you go about addressing Mm-hmm. kind of toxic behaviors or mm-hmm. or red flags that you've you've noticed in an organization mm-hmm. first thing i would do is definitely talk to my direct manager mm. in private you know that's that's the whole point of that relationship right your manager's there to direct you and or work with you to remove any barriers that are in place that might be having an effect on your day-to-day work Mm. So I'll talk directly to my line manager. I wouldn't, I'm not the type of individual where I would go straight to the top, you know, and, yeah. and start making a scene and that's not the right way of doing things. Start popping off. <laughs> yeah, like that's, um. so direct line manager and just, just make them aware that this is my thought process. This, mm. this is the type of things that I've been seeing and it could be within our team, it could be outside of our team and just find out if they're thinking anything similar mm. because when you have more thoughts than one, it kind of, you know, it's more, at least there's someone there agreeing with you. So I'll see, mm. I'll try and, and I'll talk to some of my peers, you know, not, not in a very, you know, like formal way, but I'll just be like, if any of you noticed anything mm. of this nature and see stuff. See if it's a common issue. Yeah, like just, not in a gossip type of way, mm. but like in a way just to try and identify whether it's me. Is that or, gossip though? as gossip? Um, no, I wouldn't define that as gossip, no. Mm. Because sometimes things are just in our own heads. Mm. You know, we overthink and someone could be having a bad day and might have spoken to you in a, in a way which doesn't align with your values, like mm. you said, and you might start overthinking and thinking, oh, everyone like that around here, you know? Mm especially if you're new yeah. to the organization. So I'll just ask those around me and see if it's a common behavior. And then I'll take it from there. Let's just say, okay, there has been some things identified and my manager's made aware of them. And we come up with a plan together to try and, if it is from outside of our team, to try and uh, deflate a lot of that stuff mm-hmm. around our team. If it's within our team and try to come together to, you know, to work together to remove those toxic behaviors. And it might be a thing where people honestly do not know that they're behaving like that yeah you know to give people to give the benefit of the doubt sometimes people don't know that they're speaking over others and Mm. you know or or shutting them down shutting them down or not giving them eye contact or not Mm. giving them their presence and stuff like that is there something else going on is that are those people introverted and very they find it we spoke about this before Mm. about the eye contact thing Mm. or they don't have the relevant communication skills where they're able to just keep quiet when other people Mm. are speaking and really be attentive to other people's ideas and statements try to identify the intentions around Mm. it if someone's just being blatant blatantly toxic they've been told numerous times and that's a different whole different issue now Mm. this is something that needs to be taken i think even away from your manager maybe you know next in line or or even higher than that because if Mm. if an individual has been told multiple times and it's just continuing Mm-hmm. then no way Jose like that needs to go somewhere else right so I'll start there try my best to really understand what's happening other people thinking the same thing as me and then try to work from there if for whatever reason it's out of my manager's abilities uh, so that that's on I guess like a peer level right yeah now what, what I mean by that is mm. let's say is the toxic behaviors are, are, are wider spread mm. like way out of my peer level I wouldn't even say I would say close even it still, still be close to home mm-hmm. but like it could be your 
leadership? Then I would, I would approach, I think, mm. knowing me in a way where I think is firstly professional, respectful on all levels. Like you need to really think about how you're going to come across and how you're going to articulate what you want to say. And that's why I think identifying things in the, in the first place is important. Having that structure where that foundation where you can put your arguments forward and say, look, mm. I, I believe that there's some, some areas of the organization or that, that is quite toxic and, mm. and this is why. Yeah. You can't just approach someone and say, this is toxic and that's it. You need examples. You need examples. You need some arguments. You need some evidence behind you, mm. right? And just see now, this is important because mm. I believe that if an organization has strong leadership mm. that is much less, yeah, much less prone to a buildup of toxic behaviors because they have that stronghold on eliminating things at an early stage, mm. right? And that comes, no doubt, from leadership. Like It does, but it also comes from creating, people. Creating, people, but creating a culture of trust. Yeah. So, and, and that's another issue with kind of toxic environments, right? So the reason why toxic environments are toxic because trust has been broken down, right? So yeah. there's no more trust like between yeah. peers, between leadership, For between sure. departments. For sure. If organizations and leaders concentrate on building a culture of trust, then it gives people confidence to address certain things or to call out certain behaviors that are yeah. wrong, right? Yeah. And it also gives the leadership the kind of confidence that if something was going on, that they'd be informed about it. Yeah. And also it will give them, if they have the trust in the organization and from their leadership, then they then have the confidence that they can actually take action and do things about it Yeah, as well. I believe also it's important to know who your leadership are. Mm. to bond with them and to you know to build relationships with them because I've, I hear all the time you know in, in the past where I've worked and it's like I've been in this company two three years and I've never spoken to that person mm. I've never spoken to X, Y and Z who's might be a leader of another department I'm like but why? Mm. You've never like seen them at the coffee table you've never said hello good morning getting to know people is beneficial mm. on so many levels like me and you don't directly work together mm. we're like quite far apart actually at work right but we've bonded I would say in a way that I haven't bonded with anyone else mm. you know at work so it's it, because we just started speaking and i think you should always especially when it comes to a professional setting it's understand who your leadership are and who should be approached at specific times mm. because you might be on the engineering side like me but it doesn't mean you shouldn't understand who the leadership are on in other departments mm. you know so it, it's very important to know who people are and at which stage they can be approached and mm. and, and how much of an influence and how much of a responsibility they have mm. that they could actually deal with a lot of um, and it comes back to trust yeah, because yeah. if you understand who people are and the responsibilities they have you will trust that conversation you have with them exactly so right. when you so when you say to them or ask them you know i'm going through x y and z mm. and i don't know how to deal with it if they help you with that understanding mm. no doubt they'll trust like remove that you know when you say I'm, I'm seeing things very cloudy they've removed that for you and they've allowed you to see a clear vision even if you might not be there mm. at least set up that a direction for you that builds trust and you only be able to get that through getting to know people if you are an individual who's quite introverted and you just come to work and sit behind the screen all day that's fine as well because people are like that but you should still put in the effort to understand who the leadership are mm. you know it's, it's important so like what I, I guess kind of what can kind of companies do to I guess kind of create that trust or to kind of create an environment where the employees thrive rather than become kind of demoralized or shrivel? Constant check-ins, mm. regular check-ins. Like um, it could be your one-to-ones, as simple as your one-to-ones. And mm. that information, any concerns raised there could be pushed up higher to director levels and dealt with like that. Or it's also bonding events mm. from the top down, meaning building that culture.
approach and um, having events where it brings departments together that, that don't directly work with each other on a day-to-day basis just as a social event these things help to alleviate a lot mm. of toxic behaviors because getting to know people is uh, it's a good thing like if you spend time with some individual you realize oh actually really nice person mm. you know that thought process will alleviate a lot of the toxic behaviors another thing that uh, organization can do actually is be open to feedback so surveys and mm. and be truthful in those i don't just serve, send out surveys and, and don't implement the, the results you mm. know or take action against the results but be truthful in the surveys and that's when you really will find out if there's things going on because if people care about the place they work and they do want to make things better they will participate in those mm. those things oh, completely and i stumbled across some kind of research that was revealed by harvard's uh, business review and what they've said is that organizations that form at a high level they create an environment of psychological safety so kind of going mm. back to if, like we, if we round back to the definition of what is a toxic environment you can kind of map it down to something which affects the psyche of the employees within negatively affects the psyche of the employees that contribute to that organization right so in order to create an environment of psychological safety companies need to do simple things such as not punish failure yeah that's a big one yeah and i feel like in tech if we kind of link this back to the tech world specifically successful tech organizations if they want to thrive and innovate, they shouldn't punish failure, right? Because we need to fail in order to learn quickly. And that is kind of the core of any, I guess, kind of tech process, right? In terms of kind of building tech products, we want to we want to learn quickly, we want to fail fast. So creating a culture where kind of failure is not punished is kind of one of the kind of contributing factors. And also having that kind of understanding that, I guess, kind of toxic environments are the kind of enemy of kind of creativity, right? So if people are feeling as though they're being kind of trampled on or they're being dismissed they're not being acknowledged and they feel kind of worthless or they feel demoralized all of these kind of negative kind of impacts how can you expect them to be creative and innovative within your organization of and course. kind of push the company forward especially as um engineers you know engineering and no doubt this is not to say that other crafts do not mm. have this i'm just speaking from my experience it takes a lot of thinking power mm. a lot of energy a lot of mental energy mm. you know you need to seriously sit there and figure some things out and if you're just not feeling your your psychological well-being there's something wrong there then it's going to have an impact a huge impact mm. on your uh, day-to-day work and you know just to bounce off uh, quickly what you said about that environment of uh, not punishing failure I think also to help against that is to create an environment where people are not scared to say I don't know mm. because the reality is we don't know everything and then we might forget some things that we've done down the line and you know it's easy it's very easy for an engineer to to forget about a component that he wrote mm. two, two, three years ago, mm. right? To create that environment where people can say, I don't know something, I'll find out. Mm. I'm not saying I won't put in the work. I won't find out. But at this point in time, I don't know. Mm. Give me some time. Let me, you know, that helps people to relax a bit, you know, and that builds an expectation that I do have the leeway and, and I do have the time to go away and put in the learning effort and to figure some things out. And then next time we meet, I can present something quite significant. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's a very good point, actually, that you made. Don't punish failures. Jay, this topic is very, for me, is quite dense, right? We can go on for who knows how long, especially Mm. you and I, we can, till the sun goes down, you know. I would like to actually get someone from like a HR department. We should definitely have an external person to to come in and help us dissect. deep dive on. Yeah, help us dissect this this subject because we're just looking at it from creative and a creative, you know, and from our experience, it'd be nice to have a perspective from someone who maybe works quite closely with the company's culture Mm. and pushes it down and delegates 
replicates it across the teams. So yeah, we, we would definitely continue this. We could probably say this is our conflict series because mm. we've had uh, the previous conflict episode and we can carry on this theme and maybe bring a guest in and uh, dissect some more of this. But we'll wrap up there. Thank you for listening as usual. And this has been the Life in Tech podcast with Jay and Saad and we'll see you on the next one. Take care, everyone.